0: Hey, what's going on there, podcast land? Matthew Johnson back with another episode of Dementia in black and white. Thank you for tuning in this week. Today, I want to discuss two things, just two, two things that you should consider if you're moving your loved one to a memory care facility. That's what this week is going to talk about. Let's get into it. So I want to keep it simple today. Many of you know that I have already started to look at different places for mom because I know it's going to become more challenging, not less challenging to provide quality care for her at home. So I've been looking at facilities and I've visited so far just about six or seven different facilities in the area. And it's, you know, a mixed bag in terms of what I'm finding. You know, I'm looking at the homes for the kind of group home type settings, as well as larger facilities where they might have assisted living on one side and then a secured wing for memory care on the other side. So different types. But I got to tell you, I think... And I'm just, you know, coming into this knowledge myself, as you know, you're on this journey with me. We're, we're kind of doing this thing together in terms of uh, just trying to figure things out. And as I visited the places, it almost was without exception that the people, many, in some cases, a, a majority of the people on the memory care side, particularly were really seeming like they were out of it. Like I had stepped onto a senior zombie movie set, right? The people, you know, as you're right there in the area, it's not like they're behind a glass or anything. They walk you right through the unit. And so you can say hello and wave to the people. And so I tried to do that, try to engage, make eye contact with, you know, some of the seniors there. And you could just tell that these people, as you look into their eyes, there was nothing there. It's like they were looking at you, but looking right through you. And you're looking at them, and it's really no one home type of situation. And so that got me to thinking, man, are these folks, and by that, I mean the staff at these facilities, are they engaging with the seniors here and one place that I went to just to you know keep it fair and honest and equitable at the time that I visited, they were doing an activity like this was one of the homes and they were in the living room of the home and they had some music on the television, like maybe a YouTube was playing music. And uh, one of the staff members had a, like a beach ball type thing and was tossing it, standing in the middle and tossing it to different people but of the you know say eight people that were there in the room, only three of them were actually able to engage, able to you know kind of toss the toss the ball back. Um. So you know th- there was some activity at one of the places, and they showed me for some of the larger facilities. You know, they had a calendar of events of things you know that might happen throughout the week and whatnot. But largely. Uh, I have to say, it just didn't seem like there was, you know, a whole lot of method to particularly, again, interacting with encouraging participation from the people with dementia. And as the salespeople, you know, in some cases they have actually a sales and marketing person in the larger facilities and others is just the house person, the person who's kind of the manager of the house. But in the larger facilities, you know, they kind of have a spiel that they take you through, and it is primarily focused on you know we keep your people safe. There's uh, the memory place you have to badge in and badge out. If there's a garden, it's you know got a fence. It's got the perimeter seal. They keep them locked in, and they get three good meals a day. You know, the focus went to how good the food is, or if they have snacks, or whatever. So, as they're describing the facility, and this is you know their primary pitch to you that your person's going to be safe and well fed, secured and well fed, in my mind, I start to think that sounds like prison. Prison, you are also locked in, and you get three square meals a day, three hots in a cot, I believe is what they say. And so if that's what you're pitching to me as your main selling point, that my loved one will be safe and well fed, that's not enough. I'd like for you to start with these are the activities that we use. These are the methods that we use to try and get the most out of your loved one with dementia. This is the way in which we try to engage and ensure that whatever capacity and capability that your loved one has, we will exploit that and continue to work with it so that they don't lose what they have. That's what I would like to hear about. Because otherwise, it sounds like you're warehousing seniors. If you want to talk about how you keep them locked in tight And feed them right. And so as I started to think about that, then I started to broaden my search just to do a Google search on, you know, places with excellent memory care. Who has the best memory care in the country? I literally did that as a search. And of course, there are different ads that pop up always initially. But then I happened to come across a website that talked about Montessori inspired lifestyle in memory care and i've heard of montessori before in terms of you know uh, catholic education or school you uh, that's a method for teaching kids but i hadn't heard about a montessori method for dementia and so Given that, I started to, of course, dig a little deeper and I want to share some of that research with you. So uh, the two things that I want to talk about, the one is ensuring that your loved one, wherever they are, if they're going to a memory care facility, that that place is got some program that they're following, something in place, some methodology that they're using to try and get to maintaining the abilities that your person has. And so on Alzheimer's.net, there's an article and it's titled Using the Montessori Method for Dementia. And this is from February 20th, 2019, February 20th, 2019. And so in this article, it talks about, of course, the fact that this Montessori method has been around since the early 20th century and primarily used to work with children, balancing the act of considering the capabilities and needs of the child, and then pushing them just beyond that, challenging them to go just beyond whatever their comfort zone is. That is essentially it. And so it says here that though a senior may become paranoid or withdrawn as dementia advances. In many cases, their long term memories will largely be well preserved. The Montessori method is about providing ways to connect with those memories. Man, that makes sense to me. So, if you have a facility that's trying to do this method, they are at least attempting to focus on what's still left. And then it talks about, uh, I guess, the individual who is one of the primary uh, people behind this in the United States. And I also saw several different Switzerland, other countries, by the way, that uh, are using this method as well. Dr. Cameron Camp, a psychologist in applied gerontology, discovered that the Montessori method could be adapted into the basis of a new approach to dementia care. Dr. Camp states the problem this way. How can we connect with the person? Who is still here? One answer to this question is to use the Montessori approach to re-engage the types of memory that are spared by dementia, including motor memory, such as how to dress and how to eat. So of course, an individual might forget that they have a doctor's appointment next week, or they might forget your name, but some of those motor skills are still intact. And so in a Montessori memory care, some of the examples they provide here that you might see is uh, having a basket of clean socks that need to be matched and folded, having a basket of clean towels that need to be folded and to uh, put them away, having puzzles or sorting games that are, are sitting out on the table. And they're just sitting and inviting the seniors to participate in it. And you might have more guided activities as well with them, but they talk about baking and, uh, you know, just again, assisting them for someone who used to cook a lot. They might still remember how to sift flour or cut celery or whatever, you know, and keep it safe, of course. And you're going to be around, but the fact that they are encouraging this type of activity. Yeah. Now that makes sense. For me, that makes sense to get the individual involved. And so then as I dug a little deeper, I wanted to see if there were, you know, a place that maybe you can go and find out who's using this Montessori method at a different, you know, at different facilities. And it turns out there's a, another website, Center for Applied Research in Dementia. And the website is CEN, C-E-N, the number four, A-R-D dot com. So Center for Applied Research in Dementia. And right on the landing page, when you go to that website, there's you scroll down a bit and there's a map of the United States and it shows just about 15 or so facilities all spread around the country that they have deemed credentialed, if you will. And again, you do your own research to determine how um, neutral this organization is, because I don't know anything about it, but they list these different facilities where they say these these facilities are either at a bronze, a silver, or a gold level of their ability to use this method, the Montessori method, in their facilities, and they are. Oregon has five facilities. Florida has three. A couple in Pennsylvania, Ohio. So they're literally you know south, north, east, and west spread out. And for me, and you know I'm not. Uh, definitely speaking for anybody else, but as I am looking for a place for my mother, I'm thinking I don't need to just confine myself to the geographic area where I am, but my goal is to find what I think is going to be the absolute best care for her. So I started to look at this map and think, even though I might not live in this city, do I have a family member? that lives in the city. One of them is in St. Louis, Missouri. I have a bunch of family in St. Louis, Missouri. So conceivably by casting a wider net in terms of my look for where would be a good facility, it is not necessary that I just focus on this one geographic area. And so that's a place to consider if you want to you know, maybe find a place, and there's some of these places that are non-profit. Some are smaller, some are larger. One community in Ohio has—I mean, they got villas in terms of independent-type living for people over 55, and they have assisted living, and then they have these memory care. Um, you know, they're kind of like residences, but they're smaller. It's only for 12 people each, and it's a you know a big house with his own independent kitchen and all of that. And I think they have three on that property there. So just look like a wonderful place. And they do use this Montessori method. So just something to think about. The first thing to think about is what are they going to do with your loved one? If you're going to visit a place and they're talking about how they keep them locked in and safe and how they feed them well and all of that, that's I would even not even the beginning. I'm gonna say that's just the beginning. That's not even the beginning. That's uh, you need to find out what activities are they going to do? What ways are they going to engage your loved ones? So that's first. And then the next thing I thought about, cause I said, these folks look like they may have been zombies. So what percentage of the people are on some type of drugs for behavior? And lo and behold, as I was searching around for that, US News and World Reports, and the website is health.usnews.com, they have a ranking and rating system for uh, assisted living facilities with memory care and whatnot. And again, don't know the background here. So this is not me endorsing any of these places. You, of course, need to do your own due diligence because I don't know if, you know, the f- people that get the highest rating make some type of financial donation to this organization or what have you. But again, it's just a piece of information that you can use. But one of the things they have, they have different categories and They have this facility compared to a national average and a state average for various things. But one of them is the use of anti-anxiety and hypnotic drugs. What percentage of the residents are on anti-anxiety or hypnotic drugs? And it just happens this one place that I was looking at in Maryland, 6.4%. And then it has the Maryland average, which is 14.9%. And the national average is 19.7%. So 20% of residents on a national average are on some type of anti-anxiety or hypnotic drug, primarily to control behavior. And so my thing is, if the particular person with dementia is, you know, behaving badly, or who knows what that is. That could be, I don't want to eat this food you're giving me since your primary thing is safety and food. I don't want to eat that food. And they might lash out about not eating the food. And is your first response going to be, well, let's get this person on some type of drug so they'll calm down? Or should you think about a way to engage the person? And certainly if it's helping them prepare the meals, they probably are going to want to eat that since they had something to do with it. And then it makes me think, and this information isn't here, but I wonder if this is the same as, you know, kids in school where a child acts up, quote unquote, acts up. And instead of the school thinking, how can I engage that child, find out what that child's learning style is and teach to that child that way? Let me put this child on some anti-anxiety HDH whatever that is, drug, so that they can behave and fit in line with the other students. Right? So it sounds like in education at the beginning, this happens. And then even as a senior, you might have the same thing happen. And so, In either case, if so, for whatever state you want to look at, you can find out your state's average. So Maryland's is 14.9%. I saw Missouri was 24.7%. 24.7% is the Missouri average, which is higher than the national average in terms of, you know, what percentage of people they have on these behavior type drugs. But the facility that you're looking at, it'd be good to know if whether or not that facility kind of has a first uh, knee-jerk reaction of let's get this person on behavior drugs. And of course, are black people getting these behavior drugs more so than others? That's in the back of my mind as well. So anyway, that was it today. So I wanted to just talk about those two things, two things that you should consider when you are thinking about memory care. The first thing... What are they doing with your loved one? What method... And they should have something... I've seen... You know... One place had a program called Sweet Memories... There might be other... uh, Programs out there... But... They should have something... That they're doing... And the staff should be trained... In some way... To... Connect and engage... With your loved one... So that's one... And then two... How much are they using drugs to control behavior? And I got to say, one of the places I went to, and I told them that my mother is not on any drugs, so that's not part of it. Medical management, you know, you have to pay extra for that if they are on medicine. I told them that that's not an issue. They were shocked and surprised, first of all, to think an 80-year-old is not on drugs of some type. That's strange. But then they talked about, we have a doctor that comes in. And they could, you know, assign medicine for people who need it. Like, man, I'm just getting to know you. And the first thing you want to talk about is getting my mom connected with a drug dealer. I'm good. Thanks. But no thanks. That's gonna do it for this week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. Thank you for tuning in. And by all means, get as much information as you can. Feel as comfortable as you can. Before you have your loved one in the facility because you want that care won't be as good as yours for sure, but you want them to be encouraged and you want them to at least be in a position where they can stay the same or improve as opposed to just going down. We'll be back again next week. I'm Matthew Johnson, your host for Dementia in Black and White. Take care of yourself, absolutely mental and physical, but take care of your loved one after that. I'm out.